The Philadelphia Eagles have some new coordinators, but does that make them any less potent for 2023? We're going to hear from Lock On Eagles co-host Gino Camilleri, who's going to give us the lowdown on the new coordinators, the new personnel, and whether the Eagles are still the team to be in the NFC East. That's coming your way next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast, part of the Lachlan podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena, and we are continuing our look at the New York Giants 2023 opponents. And on today's show, this is the one a lot of you have been asking me for. You're like, when are you going to do the Eagles? Well, here we are, folks. The Eagles edition is on today's show. So thank you to everybody for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day. Or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And a special shout out to my everydayers. Appreciate you, as well as my newcomers and everybody in between. Love you guys so much. And on today's show is Lachlan Eagles co-host Gino Camilleri, who is going to talk about the Dirty Birds. Yeah, Giant fans, we're, st- we're still a little salty about the, the Eagles sweeping the Giants. But who knows, maybe this year will be the year the tide will turn. So first off, Gino, welcome in on the Lachlan Giants podcast. Well, thank you, Patricia. This is a fifth time or fifth or sixth annual event that we've done this. We've been doing the NFC East crossovers for quite some time. This is a little early preview, but I think the best way to figure out how you're going to be in the landscape of the NFC is to figure out how you're going to get through your division, correct? And and that's especially with the NFC East in some years when they haven't been the best, they've been able to slip through with some teams that aren't even above double-digit wins. And then you have the Philadelphia Eagles, who set a franchise record of 14 wins last year. So it's a competitive division, arguably has some of the better quarterbacks in the entire conference and some of the better teams in the entire conference if we're looking at all four of these divisions right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard to believe, but just a couple of years ago, we were saying NFC least, and now the beast is back. And the Mm -hmm. Eagles certainly... You know, we got to give credit where it's due. The Eagles atop of the division, atop of the NFC. But some changes in Philadelphia that we need to start off by talking about. The Eagles losing both their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator to a head coaching job. There are new coordinators in place. So let's start there with that, Gino. What can you tell us about the new coordinators? What's going to change What's going to stay the same? And and just overall, what expectations have you seen so far? So let's start with, I would say, the one that probably will have the biggest impact. And we're going to stick with the offensive side of the ball, right? This is an offensive-driven league, especially when Jalen Hurts is coming off of a year where you want to avoid the one-year wonder effect, right? You want to have transfer of power from coordinator to coordinator that will help your young quarterback continue the trajectory that he was on last year. So if you're looking at the guy they brought in to replace Sean Steichen, it's quarterback coach Brian Johnson. Well, those unfamiliar with Brian Johnson, he was on the cover of NCAA football back in the day as a Utah quarterback. He was a former offensive coordinator for the Florida Gators just a few years back as well. But even before that, he grew up around Jalen Hurts. Him and Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurts being 
have had a relationship since Jalen was a kid. And you talk about wanting to hold a 24-year-old quarterback accountable, especially with the play style of Jalen Hurts, where you look at Daniel Jones, for example, right? You can't take away that running element completely because it does add so much to that offense. But you have to control that type of player. And especially when Jalen was as good as he was in the pocket, you have to say, Jalen, we know you're the best athlete on the field, right? But we still have to continue to evolve in the passing game. And I think Brian Johnson is going to do just that. Our friend Brandon Olson over at Locked On Gators had said, if you want to see Jalen Hurts evolve this year, two things that Brian Johnson is going to allow him to do is one, run a ton of quarterback power, which as somebody who coached a double wing team last year in high school, I love quarterback power, especially with Jalen Hurts, who is as good as running it as he is. And he will also attack the downfield areas. Brian Johnson is going to basically be the same play caller in terms of what they ran last year as Shane Steichen was. Situationally, it will be different. His relationship with Jalen Hurts will be different. And it's two different guys at the end of the day, right? There's always going to be that changeover effect. How easily does Brian Johnson step into the job? X, Y, and Z. The one that I think is going to be maybe the bigger change, but better in my opinion, is losing Jonathan Gannon and adding Sean Desai. Jonathan Gannon was a first-time coordinator the last two years. Coming to Philadelphia, that was the first time he was ever in charge of a defense. If you look at what they did last year, and even the year before that, not against the best teams, but even some teams that were middle of the road when it came to quarterback play, Jonathan Gannon could never figure out his true identity of his defense situationally. And if you look at the biggest game on his resume, It was situationally against the Kansas City Chiefs where Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw for 200 yards, but the stat sheet doesn't tell the whole story. Situationally, you were outcoached in that game. And I think Jonathan Gannon, he was let out to dry a little bit being underprepared. Coming into that game as a first-time coordinator, you probably left some stones unturned that Andy Reid and company didn't leave unturned, right? He's been in that event time and time again. But now you're bringing in Sean Desai, who has been around... Pete Carroll. He's been a coordinator for multiple years. He was with Vic Fangio just a few years ago. You talk about the defensive prowess and the understanding of situations and how to get your players in the best position. If you are familiar with the NFC, you know how good Seattle's young defense was last year. We don't have Hassan Riddick. They don't have even a Josh Sweater, a Fletcher Cox. They were a top of the line defense with a rookie of the year candidate in Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, who was a rookie on the other side and Daryl Taylor. And to see what he got out of Seattle last year and to see how good their defense is being in Philadelphia on paper, I expect Sean decide to get much more out of the personnel than Jonathan Gannon did with this team over the last two years. And no disrespect to Gannon. He did what he did, and now he's a head coach in Arizona. But this could be an addition by subtraction type of move where you're saying, even with fewer star players where you don't have the Chauncey Gardner-Johnsons on the back end and your two linebackers that you started last year are gone, could you cover up those flaws by allowing your stars to be even that much better than they were over the last two years? And that's a real discussion that we're going to see with Sean Desai, who's never really had the Ferraris and the Porsches in his defense. Seattle's never really truly had those true star defensive players since the Legion of Boom and in Chicago with Fanjo. 
outside of the Khalil Mack years, they were really doing a lot with a little. And that's what I'm excited, excited to see out of Sean Desai, what he can do now with all of these toys at his disposal. You know, you mentioned the Eagles setting a franchise record 14 wins last year. And despite the changes and whatnot, you know, they're still a favor team to, mm -hmm. you know, repeat, to go back to the Super Bowl. That being said, you know, have you gotten any sense of them maybe having a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover or have they been kind of able to put that in the past now? I mean, I'm sure there's a bitter taste in their mouth, but, you know, last year is last year and you got to look ahead. So do you think there will be a Super Bowl hangover for the Eagles? This might sound crazy, but maybe the best thing for the Eagles in 2017 wasn't raising the Lombardi Trophy. It was how they reacted after raising the Lombardi Trophy. And why I say that is 2018, 19, and 20 were evident that they never recovered from those Super Bowl years. And Howie Roseman had to learn, we can't just bring in these Band-Aid signings and just expect them to fill in the gaps. How they've built now is from the bottom, from the draft. In 18 and 19, they had 10 total draft picks between those two years. Over the last two seasons, over the last three, they've had countless number of star SEC players that they've drafted, which are now core components to their team, being the Devontae Smiths of the world, going and trading for an A.J. Brown, while having the Jason Kelseys and Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, who were there during the Super Bowl year. I don't see this team having a hangover at all. I expect them to go in hangover or Super Bowl or bust in this year. And will it be different? Yeah, we'll talk about that when we talk about the change in terms of personnel. But the mindset is the same. When is the last time I've seen Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and all these guys show up to OTAs in the middle of May? I can't recall. But those guys were there working out with this team. And they want to set that tone, not just for now, but for the future of Philadelphia. When you talk about what has been the successful X factor for the Eagles in the last two decades, I would say it's those times when they've cultivated a culture. In the early 2000s, when they had that culture of Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb and that defense that was just top of the class, and even in the early years of Reggie Brown, you knew you were going to win with that identity, and then you go those 20-plus years in the middle of the 2000s and some years in the 90s where you're trying to figure out who you are, and then 2017, lightning in a bottle, you figured out who you were. And now you're trying to figure that out again. And I think that's why the Eagles can be the favorite is because when you look at the Kansas cities of the world and you look at the Patriots, before you even step on the football field, you know those guys are going to take care of business. And this is one team, the 2023 Eagles, that with Jason Kelsey pending retirement year over year and Brandon Graham, you don't know when the last time he's going to be on the field. And Fletcher Cox has been a free agent two years in a row now and Lane Johnson, you not, don't know how long he's going to be at the top of his game. Those guys want to win it just as badly as the new Georgia Bulldogs who just won two national championships. How great would that be to go in and win a third consecutive trophy? That's why I'm going into this year. And even with less of the star power on defense, Lou and I are still very high on them to at least, at least get back to an NFC championship. At least that's what you have to believe they are going to achieve. And, of course, again, until proven otherwise, the Eagles the team to beat. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are going to talk about some specifics on the Eagles, some specific player uh, performances, some question marks, and so forth. That's coming up next here on the Lock on Giants podcast. Don't go anywhere. 
Hey, Giant fans, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinnie Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. And with draft prepped underway for the upcoming fantasy season, Vinny's eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy pick of the week is a running back that has scored 38 touchdowns over the last two seasons, the most in that span. I'm, of course, talking about electric Los Angeles Chargers running back Austin Eckler, whose ability to find the end zone and his receiving first role make him a guaranteed fit for your first overall pick in your 2023 fantasy football drafts. Eckler will see his usual high-level work as a runner and will remain a focal point of the short passing game, and he's sure to pay off handsomely every week for your fantasy team. And Giant fans, if you are looking for a guaranteed fit for your vehicle, you need to check out eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smooth. And Giant fans, if you're looking for a guaranteed fit for your vehicle, you need to check out eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternator shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it. And they'll make sure that it's the right fit for your vehicle because eBay's guaranteed fit helps you understand exactly what you need for your vehicle. So go for it, switch gears, crank up the AC and say goodbye to sweating when your ride needs a little fixing up. Because with eBay's guaranteed fit, Everything you need for your vehicle is just a click away. Just look for the green checks for those parts and accessories that are right for your vehicle's make and model and are at the right price. Visit ebaymotors.com and let's ride. eBay's guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Lock on Giants podcast. I am your host, Patricia Trena. And this is the Philadelphia Eagles preview, the show that a lot of you have been asking me for. It is here. Gino Camilleri, co-host of Locked on Eagles, is my guest. You can check out him and his co-host, his partner in crime, Lou DiBiase. They do a great job over at Locked on Eagles. So uh, even if you can't stand the Eagles, listen to Gino and Lou, because they really do a good job talking ball. And I, hopefully you, you pick that up and listening to Gino thus far here on the Lachlan Giants podcast. So Gino, let's get now to some specifics, player specifics. And, you know, one of the, the big questions I think there, that's kind of floating around, and we can kind of relate here in New York with Daniel Jones, although on a little lesser scale, is that, you know, Jalen Hurts last year had a really good year, signed the big contract, there are some people, though, who question whether Jalen Hurts hit, has hit his ceiling. Do you think he has? That's the scary question. Has he been the best Jalen Hurts that we have seen? And for those of us who have trauma around Carson Wentz, I even named my dog after him. You would hope that he isn't just a flash-in-the-pan, one-year wonder type of player where Carson hit his ceiling clearly in 2017 and kind of sat on his hands. Jalen Hurts isn't that guy, though. The best thing that has happened to Jalen is the adversity that he has faced in his career, right? And you say, oh, the kid went to Alabama, he went to Oklahoma. How much adversity has he faced? Well, he got sat in a national championship game. And in today's transfer portal era, how many of those guys leave? 
are out the next day. After that game is over, they're they're already ready to go on and leave. Jalen Hurts has that Josh Allen factor to him where you can't really statistically measure it. You can't put a height weight factor number to it where his leadership and his determination and his ability to overcome adversity keeps him from ever sitting still in getting better. Because when Jalen came to Alabama, he wasn't a quarterback. He was an athlete who could play quarterback. I was down at the Senior Bowl in 2020. I saw him and Justin Herbert doing the same drills. And being an Oregon guy, you can see with the hat that I'm wearing, of course, I'm a little biased towards Justin Herbert, but there were many people thinking the same thing. And at the end of the day in the draft, one was drafted in the top 10 and one was drafted in the second round. A lot of people believe that Jalen never could become that guy. And even Lou and I go back and look at our reaction. We never could as well. But to see him continually time and time again, prove every single person wrong. And I'm sure even himself at times to see the performance that he put up in the Super Bowl in a loss. That's a top five, top five performance ever that he put up. And now you're saying, what if they do get better? What if the depth on offense when it comes to your third and fourth receiver, your second and third tight end, or even now a pass catching running back and DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny in terms of explosiveness, how much better can this offense get as a whole? Well, it doesn't get better unless you have an elite quarterback. And Jalen Hurts is that guy. So as the Eagles offense goes, it goes through Jalen Hurts. So if you see consecutive years like they had with Donovan McNabb, where you're looking at those 12 and four, 13 and three, well, now you're even talking 14 and three type of seasons. If he follows that up going 13 and four, and he's able to eclipse 4,000 yards, and he's able to even transfer his running game more to the passing game and keep offensive coordinators on their toes or defensive coordinators on their toes, rather, where is his ceiling? That's what I want to know because he is discussed as, Definitely a surefire top 10 quarterback right now. To some people, a top five. No bias of their own. I, I think he's a top three guy right now. Right now. There's nobody in the NFC I take outside of Jalen Hurts. You have to cross over conferences, and there's maybe only two or three guys that I take outside of Jalen. And a lot of it has to do not with his arm, not with his legs, but what's inside his chest, man. I mean, to see him will that team to victory in many, many different situations last year, when I learned about scouting through the Scouting Academy, it, it boiled down to when you're grading players, can they do one of three things? Are they a player you win in spite of, a player you can win with, and a player you can win because of? How many times did they win because of Jalen Hurts? And that number can only can continue to grow, in my opinion. You mentioned the Scouting Academy. I, that's I was part of that as well. So yeah, so you know exactly what I'm yep, talking about. I know about, exactly right? what you're yep. talking about. Sticking with the offense for a moment here, Gino, um, where's the biggest concern? Like, I, I think you guys have a position battle going on at guard. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're switching more towards a running back by committee approach, I think. Um, what's the concern here? I mean, what, what has you, you know, curious to see how it works out? Defense, there are a lot more concerns, in my opinion, than the offense. And we'll get to that, really, I promise. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I, I just wanted to put that as a prerequisite to say that I'm going to get a little nitpicky with the offense. And in football, you have to kind of win in the margins sometimes. And you, there's a quote from the money uh, war dogs, money's in the crumbs. You have to make money in the crumbs where those games when Dallas Goddard is out for five games, 
Who was their second tight end last year? They didn't eclipse more than 300 yards between Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra. They bring in Dan Arnold as kind of a veteran journeyman type of free agent, but he's had multiple 500-yard seasons as a tight end. Can you get better in that regard? Can Quez Watkins be challenged now by Olimide Zacchaeus as that third wide receiver where if Quez Watkins catches that football in the Super Bowl, you might be talking about a second Lombardi trophy in six years. The running back by committee, you got better in my opinion. Miles Sanders was great, but they haven't had a pass catching back since Miles Sanders eclipsed 500 yards back in 2019. Well, DeAndre Swift has done that multiple times. And you want to talk about a false narrative. DeAndre Swift has played more games than Miles Sanders has had in the last four seasons. He's relatively healthy. Rashad Penny, though, if you're putting all your chips in that basket, which I don't believe they are because they do go by the committee approach. If he's down, Well, you still have Kenny Gainwell, who they're high on, Boston Scott, who they're high on. So what is the big hole? It's got to be guard. You have to talk about the guard position because the offensive line is what made this team what they were the past five years or so. You're going from Isaac Sayomalu, who might be one of the most underrated offensive guards in the last five years. He has a Super Bowl ring. He was one of the most underrated players on that 2017 team. He's played multiple different positions. And he got a bag from Pittsburgh because former personnel execs in Philadelphia are now over there being the Weidel brothers. They know how good Isaac Sayamalo is. He gets signed, and now you're stuck in a situation that you've never been in. Because you had Brandon Brooks before you had Isaac Sayamalo. Brandon Brooks should be a surefire Hall of Famer if he was fully healthy. He was a perennial All-Pro. Now you're in a situation where you have Cam Jurgens, who you drafted as a center, to potentially replace... Jason Kelsey, who's undersized, he's only around 315 right now, battling with Tyler Steen, who was a second-round pick for you out of Alabama, who played offensive tackle last year. So this is one of those situations where you're saying you have to see what Jeff Stoutland is going to do, and you have to trust him. Because Jeff Stoutland is one of the best offensive line coaches in the league, maybe the best coach at his respective position in the entirety of the sport. If they're drafting an offensive lineman, he has to be the final sign-off. So whether it's Tyler Steen or Cam Juergens, Cam Juergens, you're going to give up size. Tyler Steen, you're going to give up athleticism. What is your cup of tea there, though? But how much does that right side of the offensive line change now that it isn't Jason Kelsey, Isaac Sayamalu, Lane Johnson? That's going to be where my eye is from day one of the preseason. Every single one-on-one I'm going to be watching. How are these guys holding up? Can Cam Jurgens hold up against those power type of rushers? Can he hold up against a two-gapping player like Jordan Davis that you'll probably see in Dexter Lawrence, right? Or Tyler Steen, is he more your cup of tea where you can bully a guy off the line of scrimmage, but he might not get down to the second and third level for you? So we'll see. Day one, right guard position, that's where my eye is headed. Now, Gino, obviously we have to talk about the defensive side of the ball because I think that's where there is more concern. Mm -hmm. So that being said, break it down for us. Where is the biggest concern on the defensive side of the ball? You mentioned the Eagles lost some star power over there. Mm Where is the biggest concern and do they have, do you think, at least the pieces that could potentially fix it? That's the hope. That's the hope. And Howie Roseman, he 
has done a, a relatively good job of signifying where he is going to invest his money and where he prioritizes positions in football. And that was evident as ever by not paying Chauncey Gardner-Johnson last year and paying two 30-plus-year-old cornerbacks in James Bradbury and Darius Slay the money that you could have paid. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, linebackers TJ Edwards, and Kaiser White, and still had money left over. He likes to go cheap in that department. But has it come back to bite them? It absolutely has. In the years when they haven't had Malcolm Jenkins and they haven't had Brian Dawkins, it has been ugly. But now they've built it a little differently. They have Reed Blankenship, who was a starter in the Super Bowl last year as an undrafted free agent, more of your, I would say, a Landon Collins type of box-style safety for those Giants fans who remember Landon Collins back there. Then you sign Terrell Edmonds from Pittsburgh, who does a lot of those same type of things and fills a more of a Malcolm Jenkins type of role where he's going to cover. Now you have a big tight end to cover for the New York Giants. Can he cover that guy within five to 10 yards? Is he able to cover him east and west as well? And he's going to probably fill in a lot of those tackles that you have lost from your two linebackers because at the linebacker position, you lost two starters. And so did you at safety as well. And you drafted Sidney Brown in the third round, who should be a good free safety type of guy. But the only returning player to that defense in the secondary outside of the corner position is N'Kobe Dean, who will be the green dot caller for you. And he wasn't a starter. He barely saw minutes last year. That's a lot of turnover, Patricia. To lose two starting safeties, you're going to probably see three new rotational safeties there, two brand new linebackers, and the guy who called plays for you on defense. Imagine losing your defensive quarterback. That's going to be a heck of a transition now with your defensive coordinator as well. But the one thing you have to rely on is how good that defensive line is. That's one thing where they're going to say, we might be a little inept on the back end, but we're going to send 12 guys at you. You might have lost Javon Hargrave, but you still have Fletcher Cox. You draft Jalen Carter. You have Jordan Davis last year. Milton Williams is an up-and-coming interior defensive lineman who is going to be the heir apparent to Fletcher Cox there. And you add Nolan Smith, and you have Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat on the outside, and Brandon Graham is his best year in the NFL in his 13th season. And they signed Contavious Street, who was pretty good for the Saints last year, and you go down that list, those guys have to know how important they are to this football team moving forward. And that's been evident. That's what the Eagles have done the last 20, 30 years or so, right? You build from the inside out. But looking at what they did last year, in the biggest moment, where in 2017, when you needed one stop against Tom Brady, you got that. When you needed one stop against Patrick Mahomes, you didn't get that. And look at the end result. And now you don't have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on the back end or even Marcus Epps and TJ Edwards and Kaiser White. How much more important is that defensive line success to this team than it was last year? You can't depend on just getting the coverage one week, just getting the defensive line. You have to have that cohesiveness. If they don't have that cohesiveness, you're going to see games where Saquon Barkley, all of a sudden they're stacking the box where he goes for 50 early on. And then all of a sudden the deep parts of the field open up because these safeties are down so much and you, you don't have that cohesiveness where you can trust those guys on the back end to play a little more free than they were last year. And that's the biggest thing I'm scared of is that they go back to their 2021 ways 
where Jonathan Gannon could never get both of those guys, both of those units on the same page. And it, the result turned into the record. They were nine and seven and they barely get into the playoff position. You have to have home field advantage. You have to have a defense that dominates in the playoffs and you have to have them come up at least one time in a big game. And they didn't get that last year with the best defense ever. And now they've taken back some steps in terms of personnel. I'm a little hesitant in that department, but I still have to be so high on that defensive line because it truly is something that you won't see culminated in terms of group success in any environment, in my opinion. There's 13 guys that could start in this league on that defensive line, in my opinion. Wow, that's a, quite a number indeed. I'm not lying to you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've got more coming up with Gino Camilleri, including we're going to talk a little bit about the NFC East and where the Eagles fit in. We're going to get some intel on the new faces and the X factor when it comes to playing the Giants. So all that's coming up right after this. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for some pants and shorts that offer a good fit, are made of high quality material and just look good, then you got to check out Bird Dogs. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. And Bird Dogs uses a special fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. My husband absolutely loves his shorts and his pants, and he's been wearing it around the house this summer and also in the yard when doing some yard work. And he always talks about how cool he's kept when he comes in from the hot, humid weather, from cutting the grass or trimming the hedges or whatever it is he does outside. So if he loves them and he's picky about his pants and shorts, I know you will love them as well. And right now, when you order Bird Dogs, they will throw in a free Yeti-style tumbler. Just go to birddogs.com slash NFL to get your free gift. That's birddogs.com slash NFL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. Check them out, folks. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trana. And again, thank you for tuning in. We uh, Next week is going to be a very busy week here on the Lachlan Giants podcast because on Monday, it is the deadline date for Saquon Barkley and the Giants to reach a new contract agreement. So we will have a reaction show one way or another. Regardless of what happens, there will be a reaction show. We will also continue with these last few opponent previews. We've got the Jets coming up, the Bills, the Dolphins, and I believe the Rams we still haven't done yet. So that's coming up. Nick Filato is going to join me as we get you ready for training camp. So we're going to start breaking down the Giants, the different position previews, where our concerns are. So a lot of stuff coming up here on the Lachlan Giants podcast. Again, thank you for tuning in and listening or watching on YouTube. Gino Camilleri is our guest from Lachlan Eagles. He's the co-host over there. And Gino, let's talk more in terms of um, bigger picture here. You have the Eagles, which we can agree that, they are the cream of the crop, despite any question marks that might be um, still present. Mm -hmm. When you look at Dallas and the Giants, the two teams, you know, and, and Washington, you know, they're trying to catch up. But I think until they resolve their quarterback situation, they've got a ways to go. But how much would you say, based on what you know, that have the, have the Cowboys and the Giants close the gap with the Eagles? I think the Giants are doing it the way that Dallas should be doing it, in my opinion. I think Dallas is – you add Brandon Crooks and you add Stephon Gilmore. 
yeah, it's a, it's a nice addition. But the Eagles have been there. They've added those star guys. But the Giants are doing it the right way. I've always been a big fan of Brian Dable once he turned it around in Buffalo. I mean, to go from what he had in Josh Allen year one to really bring him to who he was and then to put Daniel Jones in that position last year, he, he truly knows what he's doing in terms of his offense. And Joe Shane and him are on the same page. And their draft classes have spoken for themselves. And the way that they've signed guys to contracts and prioritized the right positions and made trades, that's how you have to attack the National Football League. And Dallas is going to be Dallas. They're always going to be talked about in the mainstream media. But I really think the Giants, like no pun intended, are, are that sleeping team, the sleeping giant in the NFC, right? Where who's the next best team besides Philadelphia? Who is it? Genuinely, Patricia, who would you say is the next best team behind Philadelphia? I would say the Giants have closed the gap somewhat with Philly. Uh, I'm sorry, with uh, Dallas. I I would say, give me Seattle or give me the Giants. I think Dallas is outside looking in right now. I think Seattle is going to have a sneaky good offense with their very good defense. And you talk about the Giants. Daniel Jones might not be your cup of tea. He's not mine. But if it works, it works. And the success that they had last year. Yeah, you run into a steamrolling Philadelphia Eagles team in the playoffs. Heck, what if you get a different opponent in the playoffs? Can they beat them? I genuinely believe it with the way that they played. They had an unbelievable run-stopping defensive line. If you add some more pressure on the the interior with Dexter Lawrence, if he takes a step up this year and your secondary is only going to get better, those were the questions I had. And now your offense is only going to take another evolution with what they have done with no wide receivers that Daniel Jones was throwing to last year, he actually has some guys that he can chuck the ball downfield to. You have to say that they are a team, regardless of NFC East, that you have to watch out for simply because of how they have been building. Now you have to go out there and execute. But in the NFC, who else is there? If you don't execute, you're showing that you're just an average team. But if you go and do that and handle those opponents that you should beat, why can't the Giants be a, a top four NFC team next year if they outside of record? Because obviously with the wild card, we know how seeding works. But record wise, you should be expecting them to be right there, in my opinion. Gino, I forgot to ask you uh, to start this segment, so I apologize. But can you give us a new face report for the Eagles? Who are some of the guys that have you excited that you think might be like an X factor, if you will, whether it be offense, defense, special teams? I'm very excited by the tandem of DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny is the most explosive runner, according to many metrics in the National Football League. And Seattle has never had a very good offensive line. If you have ever watched them, they tend to be towards the bottom of the National Football League. Whereas the Eagles, they are very good in that department. How good can he be? DeAndre Swift, they haven't had this type of receiving back since I said in 2019. Miles Sanders has gone downhill there. They don't really trust Kenny Gainwell or Boston Scott to be that guy. But can DeAndre Swift be your pseudo fourth best receiver as a running back? When you look at the defense, I love adding Sidney Brown. Yes, he is a rookie, but they haven't invested that highly at the safety position in the draft in quite some time. And he is one of their players in the draft room, which they put a red star on. And what that means in Philadelphia is that each of the scouts gets one red star. And that means that this guy is the highest when it comes to 
how much they trust this guy, how much his character meets Philadelphia, all of those things that you want to hit A+, plus, knock it out of the park, the interview process, how he does in the classroom. He was a red star guy for Philadelphia. And not next year, but for the future, how impactful can he be? Because who's going to be that next heartbeat of the defense for the Eagles? It might be Nicobe Dean, who is not a new face, but he is going to be a new starter for this team. He might have, outside of the quarterback position, the single most pressure on his shoulders of any given player in Philadelphia because of what he is going to be tasked to do. Being the green dot caller, having to come in and easily put up over 100 tackles while being able to cover the team's best tight end or running back threat and having to come plug multiple gaps while being five foot eleven and being a national championship winner. You talk about pressure, man, best of luck to N'Kobe Dean. I think he can do it. But if you want to see a guy who's the Eagles defense success runs through, I think it's that linebacker and N'Kobe Dean next year. And there's a bunch of new faces and you can hear us over at Lockdown Eagles. And I dropped a couple in there when I was talking. I like to just drop names and as much information as I can. Not the back end of the roster, guys. We'll have those discussions on our show. But Patricia, I, I think the Giants are going to be in some games with the Eagles next year. And I'm not looking forward to having to deal with this team twice and even maybe three times next year because Eagles, they don't really sweep division opponents that often. They're not going to do it two years in a row, in my opinion. Let's hope you're right because, <laughs> I mean, last year was tough. Three three in a row. I mean, yep. although, you know, week 18, it came, they came close mm-hmm. with their backups to, to topping the Eagles, but – the Eagles have had the Giants number. Let's let's, you know, give credit where it's due, even though, you know, Giant fans don't want to admit it or, you know, are just like, why do you have to bring that up? But speaking of the Giants and the Eagles, let's quickly talk about some matchups. What matchup on each side of the ball scares you the most? Well, there's a new player in New York. He uh, goes by the name of Darren Waller. He plays tight end position. Don't know if people know this, but he's pretty good. He's a pretty good tight end. And as I had mentioned, who is going to be that guy that covers tight ends for the Philadelphia Eagles? Last year was Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who did that a ton in his time in New Orleans. And he played in the slot a lot of the times there as well. And he was a true safety. But who is it now? Is it going to be more of a committee type of approach? Is the Eagles defense going to be more of a matchup-based type of approach? And Darren Waller, when you walk into that offensive room, You say it's Saquon and him. These two guys cannot beat us. Saquon, we've seen the Eagles take care of business there when they can plug gaps and keep him at bay. But I don't think there's been this type of threat in in New York in in quite some times when it comes to athleticism, size, speed, skill, hands. That's going to be a lot to handle. And you don't have the personnel that you had last year. I look at that department and say – yeah, who is going to be that guy? You should try to be figuring that out right now. And also at the same time, I think the Giants defense, who is going to be that guy that exposes the right side of the Eagles offensive line? How do they hold up with Dexter Lawrence if you're giving up, let's say, 50-plus pounds over what you had last year in Isaac Sayamalu? That's that's a lot of weight in the National Football League. And the Giants, they're just getting better on the defensive line. Joe Shane is continue to show that he wants to invest in the trenches. And I know from our discussions years ago, Patricia, you wanted them to be a great offensive line team. You wanted them to have a great defensive line because what is the NFC East? 
It is winning those battles, and you have to look right there right away. And if they could expose that right side of the Eagles' offensive line and really handcuff them, maybe that sets the way for other teams in the National Football League to figure this team out. So I'm really looking there right away. Run the ball, pass the ball. It's an easy sport. You take away those two things, and offenses can't do much. Sounds so simple, but yet teams (laughs) struggle all the time with that. that. All right, Chino, appreciate all the intel. You never disappoint. I knew this was going to be a great show, chock full of information. You never let me down, my friend. I do appreciate it. He is Gino Camilleri, one half of the dynamic duo over at Locked on Eagles with Lou DiBiase. Folks, I know it's the Eagles, but check them out anyway. Trust me. I check them out. I learned something when I listened to them, and not just about the Eagles, but about football. So if I can learn something, I know everybody else can because they're that good. For Lou DiBiase, I'm Patricia Traina. Giant fans, thank you for tuning in this week. Be sure you're with us next week when we talk, again, Saquon. We'll finish up the opponent previews. We'll start getting you ready for training camp and a whole lot more here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.